The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, DJ Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you our 200th episode of the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast. As usual, I am here with everybody's favorite Canadian, Tyler Tambourine. Tyler, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good, man. Lots going on. We had another great golf tournament yesterday. I got baby number two on the way. I got, you know, it wasn't the best week for DFS, but why would I wreck that last week? when I got baby swag coming up and there's more bigger tournaments coming up this week. So I, I didn't want to give it away. So let everyone else had it. Got to see a community winner in Nate Knox. I know you got a little bit of story on him. So congratulations to Nathan Elliott there at Nate, Nate Knox on Twitter. He took down the Millie with the optimal, which was something you normally don't see, right? 743.5 blowout, just a beautiful lineup and everything went his way on Sunday. So that's amazing. And congrats to him again. Yeah, I mean, before we talk about that, let's talk about our 200th episode. I mean, I do have yeah. to thank the DJ Nation out there for keeping us going strong for almost five years now. I, never, I mean, if you told me when we first started that we would be doing 200 episodes, I thought you would be crazy. Uh, but here we are, five years later, 200 episodes deep and more popular than ever, which is crazy to me. Uh, you know, I mean, last week we were looking, I was looking at the charts. You know, we were right behind Matthew Berry's podcast and right in front of establish the runs podcast in fantasy sports rankings on itunes which is fucking wild like you know what i'm saying <laughs> like that shit is just crazy to me uh so i mean thank you guys for being with us for so long really really appreciate you guys listening week in and week out through the bad weeks through the good weeks everything that's happened in these last five years we really really appreciate it thank you so much for listening and if you've been a listener and you've been enjoying what we do week in and week out please go on itunes uh leave a leave a review leave a five-star rating it really helps us out and it keeps the podcast free 
All right, so let's go into this uh, past week. Uh, what a tournament. What a Sunday. I mean, it was just birdie barrage. I mean, people out there were just – it was target practice for these guys last last week. And I think a lot has to do – in the last couple of weeks, you know, we've seen the courses play a lot easier. And I think the big thing was the weather change. It was the, it was the date change. You know, you, you see it moved into the middle of the summer, less wind at both of these courses, softer conditions at both of these courses, and they just became – birdie barrages uh you look at webb out there going webb what a great win by him on father's day with you know 17 kids you know so it's a great day for him uh uh you know someone said that he's like the philip rivers of of um of golf you know like devout christian 1800 children from the carolinas like he does shit well, but it's never really pretty. You know, like he is like the Philip Rivers of golf. It was yeah. great. Uh, you know, what did you think about the event? Oh, it's amazing. We're getting spoiled for sure. Like I said, there's no secret that we're going to get great leaderboards because the fields are insane. We talked about it with the trends and the factors there where all these trends go out the window because it's the strength of field, the time of year, the, the weather that we've seen has been pretty good and and pretty solid for scoring. So, I mean, all we expected scores to be up. I, I wasn't thinking... 22 i was thinking like 16 maybe 18 would be a big year for them there and 22 like that extra weather break they got too which just is what it is it felt like they did stop it a little bit early but the fact that they did you know and and ended up still getting through it was nice but yeah the father's day narrative came through disappointed a little bit because you know again mega chalk web never too high on that it kind of burned me in more ways than one and then all the bets that we had out there like you and i were fighting back and forth a little bit between answer and hat and we had our little debate there uh, we had Neiman, you had Kepka. Like there was just guys that we were on that were all right within the mix. And you got Berger chipping in for a streak for points on the back end. It was just a wild ride on the way out. And it looks like we're going to continue to get that on the tour as these events change and the field stay strong. So do you, is Webb elite? Is Webb officially an elite golfer? In my opinion, he's probably been the third best golfer since the beginning. It's in the last two years since like the Players' Championship he won. I mean, it's Rory, JT, and Webb. Uh, I mean, Kepka, Kepka, you could throw in there too because of the majors. But like those four yeah. guys have been like the dudes. And you know, you look at the names: Rory, JT, Kepka, and you see Webb. Uh, you know, and like the way he does his game, the way he goes about his business, and the transformation that he's had with his putter uh, after struggling so hard after the anchor band. I mean, that is just really, really impressive stuff by him. Like what he's done the last two years. What three wins? I think in his last like forty events. He's had 10 top threes. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like he's had three wins, I think like five runner ups and two third places in his last 40, 42 events. That's insane. Uh, You know, and I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. I think this guy, could he be number one? I don't know. I'm not quite there with you on the elite status. Obviously, the last two years have been fantastic since the players. Like you mentioned, it's just been a nonstop run. He's definitely maybe not anymore after yesterday, especially and what people are starting to see. And even with the, you know, the DFS world where we're getting the ownership, just following up and doubling down on guys. And we'll get to some of those this week. But you're right there. I just say like it's he's definitely was the most underrated. And now it's starting to show and he's definitely up there. But I mean, you got Rory, JT, Rom for me. And then you got Bryson Kepka right after them and then Webb starts getting into the mix of now is he like I knew you know where's DJ at when you got Webb I know he kind of bounced back and you get all these up-and-comers and and names that are are just names now like a Ricky Fowler like they're out like it's obviously Webb is up there so yeah who cares five six whatever you want to put him in the point is he's been amazing it continues 
this week will be extremely interesting with him being in the middle of the five-figure range up top and what people do with them. And then, of course, like you said, just how, how good he is coming off a win, the Father's Day narrative, everything that happened that went well for him. It was just great to see another good win for him. And, yeah, he made a lot of putts on that one day, 186 feet or whatever it was, but he still has a great all-around game, and it showed up again on Sunday and closed strong. He's a closer, man. That's the key. Yeah, uh, so let's talk about the Millie Maker, uh, Nate Knox, Nathan Elliott. Uh, he used to write for the Fantasy Golf Determinants blog way back in the day, uh, like 2016, 2017. Brad Messersmith, who was uh, my co-host back then, he hired a whole bunch of guys uh, and you know to write for our, uh, our blog. And that blog actually got picked up by the Fantasy Fanatics. Uh, Playco 21 ran that site, and God damn it, I missed that site. You know, he sold it to Fantasy Labs, and now he's working with Fantasy Labs. Uh, but that was a great site. I loved working for that site. I loved the free access to that site. It was great. Um, and, and so, you know, the funny thing is what Nate wrote about every week was he would go and look at the best PGA DFS players out there, like uh, Jet Blacks back then, uh, uh, you know, uh, a couple of other, Condia, a couple of other guys. He'd go over and, and look at their lineup construction, all the golfers they use in their max entries, and he would go over their strategy, what he thought their strategies were. And that's pretty cool. I mean, because, I mean, he, he ended up taking down the Millie Maker this week with the all, uh, with the with the uh, optimal lineup. And, you know, and the thing about that, I do miss that from from that point, from, from back in the day, uh, all those guys working with them. Because, I mean, a lot of those guys went off to do a lot of great things. You had DFS Jimmy, who worked for um, Fanshare Sports, uh, doing their course preview video for a while. Uh, you have Eric Patterson, who – you know, is, is the lead golf writer for the score. And he started with us, uh, you know, and Nathan, and Nathan Elliott. I mean, it's just cool to, that, that, that these guys have been a part of our little group. And now we've seen so much success for him. What did you think of his lineup? Oh, it was incredible. Just turned out to be the nuts. It, it was awesome to see. I actually, it's funny you say that. And I kind of love to hear that because everyone's, you got people, you know, say it's pointless to review lineups and go back and look at lineup constructions and all this. And that's what I started doing on Roto Grinders on the Monday free show that anybody can tune into and check it out is I actually go back and go through it. I just, before we got on this podcast, so if I'm losing my voice, that's why. But before we started recording this, I did my live video and obviously it was cool. It's like full circle. Now I'm reviewing his lineup as the millionaire maker winner and going back through it. And it was just crazy to see. It just goes to show a couple things. I mean, he had a unique lineup with using the money with, you know, basically everything that you could do that some people say would be off, but it's because he had the low owned plays in there, a couple of them. And he still did use the balance structure. So I talked about it on the show, but a lot of people had been posting six out of six lineups sort of as a joke, but just to say, look at what you can do this week. Last as I'm talking about last week with having, you know, Brooks, DJ, Ricky, J day, like they were making lineups that were just looking beastly for, 50,000 that fit within the salary cap that would normally be, I think, you know, Nelson Adcock at one point posted this lineup would have been 55,100 just a year ago. And now you can fit it in. So it was like, everyone was thinking that we, including myself, definitely included, like I say, it's a, it's a memorial service today for some of my lineups that were dead. So dead. But uh, the main point was, was I was thinking, you know, let's get a little creative and go stars and scrubs if everybody's going to do that balance construction. And in the end, starting with Webb was what he needed to do. And then he was able to fit in everyone down from there, you know, back to the well on Berger, who nobody likes to play a guy after a win. That worked. He almost won again, even though it was a lucky chip in. He was there, man. He put himself in contention. His game's in full control right now. And I'm kind of disappointed he withdrew from this week, but that's another topic. And then he had, you know, Neiman, super low ownership. No one wanted to play Neiman. Hatton, off the layoff. So just a, a fantastic lineup all around. Like you said, it's 
I think it's important to go back and look over those things. The fact that he was doing that in the past, I knew he'd been grinding. I, I reached out to him and, you know, congratulate him, sort of the Ricky Fowler in that sense, you know, be on the 18th green waiting for him to congratulate him on the big win. We're all grinding for it and for him to hit it with three bullets too, which was fantastic to see, right? It only takes one good weekend to change your life. And that's a huge weekend for him. So again, to Nathan Elliott, congratulations. If you guys don't follow him at Nate Knox on Twitter, not sure how much he'll do on there. If it'll change much, he's not super active, but just reach out, say what's up, congratulate him. It's a huge win. And to win with the optimal was by far the most impressive, right? He blew the field away. 743.5. Couldn't make a better lineup last week. He crushed second place by like 30 points. It was sick. Also, he had it in the the $3.20 max. Uh, So that's the cool part, too. Just one more quick note, Kenny, is he played 20 lineups in the $3.20 max, as most of us do. And, you know, even if you have smaller bankroll or you're grinding, whatever, that's sort of a place you start. It has a fantastic payout structure, you know, 10% to first, decent run out from there, pretty balanced. And he picks his three best lineups, and that was one that made sense. It definitely looked like what I would pick as one of my best lineups. You got only 20 to pick from, and there's a good one, right, from an all-around standpoint. Like he he mentioned on Twitter, he had the last week's winner, no one plays, Hatton off the layoff, and then some low-on plays, and a guy like Neiman, you know it's a good lineup. Brooks was in there too, so um, he picked it. But to pick those three, and that one was the one that took it down, and like you said, blew it away by 30 points. Just fantastic to see. Yeah, a great week by him. Poor week again by me. Uh, my cash game cornerstones went two for four. Not great after the 0 for four last week. And I did some digging. Uh, just looking back at my cash game cornerstones, I really suck after a month or plus layoff. So I was looking back. There's been, um, I've had 20 rounds or 20 events after a month, you know, the six events after a month long layoff. Okay. Plus, you know, every year, eight, 2018, 2019, 2020. So from the Sony uh, all the way through the California through the the, the California swing, um, you count those, and then the two in a colonial this past colonial and this and last week's event. That's that's twenty events. So eighty cash game cornerstone picks. Thirty one percent of my picks in those twenty events missed the cut. And now, if you look at my other events from you know the end of the West Coast swing until the FedEx Cup playoffs, only twelve. I only have a twelve percent missed cut rate. Uh, for my cash game cornerstones. What it seems, seems to me is that I rely a lot on current form. Uh, and so maybe that's why I struggle a bit. So, I mean, if you guys don't want to use my cash game cornerstones yet, wait until the memorial. <laughs> it, should be, it should be on target by then. Uh, but, I, you know, the thing is, I, I really like my cash game cornerstones this week. And, of course, I say that, and I'll probably go one for four again. But, uh, you know, the good thing is GPP-wise, I did well. I had a lot of Neiman. Uh, talked about Neiman a bunch on the pod. Uh, you know, Answer was one of my favorite plays last week uh, on the pod. Uh, I had I had Kepka, uh, you know, up there as well. Um, you know, the only, I had a bunch of Web. Web was my third highest owned. So I actually, you know, won like thirty bucks on my two hundred seventy dollars worth of GPP entries. I got back like three hundred. Um, but then you know I lost in cash again. So you know I lost like what what forty percent of my bankroll, like two hundred bucks. Uh, so, so not the best week uh, and then betting wise, it was even more tilting because, so my favorite bet of the week, uh, was, uh, on, I posted it on, uh, the Gup's corner of my article. I do it every Wednesday. I'm going to probably throw my f- couple of my favorite bets each week in my article uh, on Wednesdays, along with my other favorite cash game plays on gupscorner.com. And my favorite bet was Abraham answer plus 275 for a top 20. I actually put a big sum on that. Uh, and so that, that gave me a little bit of a, uh, a win in um, 
in the betting aspect, but not enough to, to catch up for the, the $200 in losses I had uh, in the DFS wise. But I mean, I had answer outright, you know, I had Neiman outright in, in, in the, in the uh, on the pod yesterday, uh, last week, uh, I had Kepka, uh, you know, outright. And then I had Domin who was, you know, right there until Sunday. I don't know what happened on Sunday with him. Uh, so, I mean, it was really tilting on Sunday seeing Webb make all those putts because for some reason, I was like the only person in the world that didn't have Webb Simpson on my card. So, again, another tilting week. But, you know, we're back on the grind again. We do it every week. Hopefully I can get better. Hopefully I'll learn from my mistakes and, and get a little bit better this week because I really do like my cash game cornerstone. So we'll see how that goes. Tampa, how was your week? Yeah, so you were pouring drinks out on Friday, if you recall, on Twitter, everyone who saw the video, back to you did the three-shot challenge or whatever there, just bang, bang, bang. And I basically – um felt like that that's you know you could pour one out for your homie right now because that, that's what it was sung jm man we were there to God see him win the honda did. but jesus i was heavy on web i was heavy you know uh, hatton i loved over answer but i still you know like i say i play sometimes play both of them together because you can pit some of my pivots you can always use the two of them i'll talk about that today but i, yeah. le- I had more Hatton than answer i loved that he was right in the mix i had polter all those guys that were were right there i actually had a lineup in the 333 three max that was basically you know could save my week had no web and in miscut and still came in ninth place. Like it was just had everybody else, Neiman, Berger, uh, Hatton, everyone, and, and everyone but web in the miscut. And so that just killed my upside. Uh, Sunday showdown, same thing. Web crushed it. And then the betting side, like you said, was pretty tilting because really I had a chance to get it all back with the each ways. Cause I had, you know, from the pod last week, I had Hatton each way and I had at 60 and then I had Neiman at 90 and they were decent. So their each way still pay out. Like, hitting a web or something, right, when you cut it in the quarter. But at the same time, uh, you know, a little Father's Day, trigger happy, you know, the each ways and stuff, you could still get like top fours and top threes on Saturday night and Sunday morning. And I think I bet, you know, it was either, I think it was DJ and JT. I'd have to relook. Definitely JT, but JT was like 180 or 200 or something So I, with a top three. And I, so I had to fire at that. So definitely down on the week in that as well. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. It was a rough week, but keep grinding away, man. Had a good pool. Just make a cute, a few one-offs here and one-offs there. Same as everyone can say and back at it again this week, man. We grind. Yeah. So earlier on Thursday after speed shot, what, like minus six or minus seven, uh, he was like one, he was like my second to last guy that I like erased and got rid of all of them, uh, at the last second. And I, 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 I took a picture of it and tweeted it out. And of course the name right above him that I crossed out was, was my final person to cross out for the week that I uh, switched off all my shares was Hatton. So there you go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I had, I had a lineup with four of the guys in the Millie maker, uh, you know, the Millie maker winner. Uh, and then I didn't have burger. I didn't have Hatton, but I had Hatton in my lineup earlier in the week. And that should really piss me off. So of course, tinkering, definitely not great. And I, I'm, I've become the master at making the bad tinkers. So yeah. that's something I, I have to change, I guess. We'll see how it goes. All right. So let's get into uh, our listener league winner from last week. His name is Jester959. He has the uh, picture of the Big Lebowski up there. Big fan of that movie. Um, he had 684 points. Uh, first on his lineup was Webb Simpson, of course, the winner, who was 27% owned. Uh, Dustin Johnson had a good week, uh, 10% owned. Uh, Kepka, again, it looks like maybe he's back 10% owned as well. Uh, Answer, of course, one of my favorite plays, 14% owned. Uh, Kucher, who was another cash game cornerstone last week, 25% owned. And Polter, who actually had in cash as well, at 22% owned. What did you think of his lineup? <laughs> I like it a lot right now. Uh, I didn't, you know, when I, when it was getting built and I was building those types of lineups, I was just saying, you know, here it is. This is 
a good looking lineup, but it feels like everyone's going to have it. And how's that going to win me a million dollars? And like I mentioned with, with Nate Knox earlier there, he, he had sort of a very similar build, obviously plugged in a few different ones that made it pop off and take the whole thing down to get to the optimal, but right there with him, I mean, he's got uh, answer Kepka and Webb. I believe that's at least three of the six that were on the lineup. And then I think it's uh, Neiman Hatton and Berger was the other instead of DJ Kucher and Poulter, but fine lineup, took it down, gets the money, Amazing job. I mean, it's a, it's a strong build. It had the couple low-owned guys. DJ and Kepka ended up coming in just at 10. A couple guys in the middle, and then three over 20. So it's, uh, it was a good lineup, strong finish. Keep in mind, too, guys, when you, you win this thing. So Jester959, I reached out. He's already got into the year-end listener league that we're going to have, sort of kind of like a, a live finale type deal where it's not live, but it's going to be set up so that you can you know have some prizes, have some money. We're going to have some stuff on that as the year goes on. Uh, be a giant event of just all the listener league winners. But one thing I forgot to mention is if you guys do take it down. And so this for you, Jester nine, five, nine, you got to DM me at toe and Tambo for the one month free Roto grinders premium. So just do that. Hit me up over a DM and I'll get you set up there. Other than that. Yeah. Fantastic job. We'll see us in the three man this week. Kenny, you got a big score in the three man this week, but uh, I don't think it was your cash lineup, but you must've switched it up. Yeah. Of course I'm the idiot who I, that was like my B cash lineup. Uh, it, it, good uh, one. I had, it was a really good yeah, one. It, yeah. So my A cash lineup fucked up. And then of course the B cash lineup literally crushed. I mean, I mean, it didn't crush. It was a good lineup. It would have easily cashed, but yeah. you know, I had Rose Kepka, Woodland, Kucher, Answer, and Bubba. All of them made the cut. You know, you go six for six in cash. You're going to win 97% of the time. And of course I went M and Reed, two guys who had missed maybe two cuts in their last 45 events combined. And of course, they both missed the cut. And we know now, don't play Sung Jay at RBC Heritage. That's something we figured out since like his two worst strokes game putting, uh, you know, rounds or events of his career, both at the RBC Heritage. So I guess that's now we know not to avoid him at the tournament. I'll keep that in mind for next year. Uh, but let's get back to this week. So uh, the, the, the PGA Tour heads to TPC River Highlands in Cromwell, Connecticut for the Travelers Championship. TPC River Highlands is a 6,841-yard par 70 Pete Dye redesigned course with two par fives and four par threes. The par five sixth is the longest of the two par fives will still be reachable by the big hitters. The par five 13th is much shorter and almost all the golfers will be able to reach in two. Uh, fun hole is going to be the par four 15th. You know, it's under 300 yards. We saw it, what was it, the 10th hole last week, very similar to that where Kepka made that crazy drive that ended up like four feet and got that eagle. There's going to be some eagles on the 15th this week. It's the same type of hole. Uh, you know, all three of these holes have close to a 40% birdie percentage. So if golfers par any of these holes, they'll be losing strokes to the field. Golfers will see average size fairways that get substantially more narrow after the 300-yard mark off the tee, but are wider than what we've seen the last two weeks. Uh, bunkers and trees will be in play if they miss the short grass. These fairways are some of the easiest to hit on tour, as nearly 70% of all tee shots find the fairway. But as we saw with Bubba winning a few years ago, while only hitting 50% of his fairways, you can get away with missing the short grass, especially if you have length off the tee. Now, if golfers do miss the fairway, the first cut of rough is not too thick and play, and it's very playable. But the further the golfer misses the fairway by, the thicker and taller the rough is going to get. Now, unlike other events with, you know, some, somewhat tall and thick rough, the greens at TPC River Highland are softer and more receptive. So it won't be a total disaster if golfers miss the fairway. And since the course is so short, they should be hitting, you know, their approaches to short iron anyways. And these long bombers, if they decide to break out and do, you know, 
release the Kraken, like 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 uh, like <laughs> like like Bryson. You know, uh, they're gonna have sandwiches in even from the rough. So that's something to think about when you make your roster construction this week. Uh, the greens are slightly below average in size, except for the long par three holes with a bit of slope, and a lot of them are elevated and crowned along the edges. Uh, there's not too much undulation uh, on the greens, but they usually put the pin in a place where there's some slope so they don't have golfers shooting like minus 30 for the week. Uh, they also put the pin locations in very close proximity to the edge of the green so golfers can have tricky chip shots if they short-side themselves. Even though the greens are small, nearly 67% of all approach shots have found the green at TPC River Highlands over the years, you know, which is a good amount above tour average. I think tour average is like 61% or something like that. Uh, if golfers miss the greens, they will have to deal with collection areas, thick, rough water, and numerous bunkers. Uh, missing these greens will hurt golfers because getting it up and down from off the greens is a bit more difficult at TPC River Highlands compared to most other courses on tour. But then again, you know, they have a high green and regulation percentage, so you got to think about that. The greens use a POA bent grass blend and are average in speed with a stip meter rating. Probably it's going to be around 11.5. Uh, water is in play on about a third of the holes, including a huge pond that surrounds holes 15, 16, and 17. Tambo, what are you looking for this week? Yeah, a lot of what you just talked about lines up with it. I mean, it's, you know, off the tee approach, uh, the proximity 125 to 150. That's a, a popular range. Greens and regulation just as a whole. And then this week, I, I think it's going to be what we've seen, man. It's going to be the the bird, the scoring again. Birdies are better. You got you got to have those guys. DK scoring, um, par four, four hundred to four fifty. Like it, you know, so many holes like that. So, following up on some of that stuff, and, and in general, what I've noticed is it's sort of kind of like how I'll play majors in in daily fantasy, where it's just the best. You know, it's easy to say they're all good golfers, but typically it's the better golfers are just showing up, right? So you just got to try and look through the price tiers and say, okay, you know, what's an example of that? There's you know, Bubba, course history guy, and then there's Reed, who's really good. Reed's probably going to be way lower owned than him, but we know Reed can pop off at any time. So why, well, I'm just going to play some Reed there as an example. It's not a pivot. It's just an example of what happens at events like this and just start playing the good golfers. So the thing is, how, how much do you take into account the previous iterations of this event because of how strong this field is compared to years in the past? Because if you right. look at like the winners of this event, you know, you you see a bunch of short hitters, and then you see Bubba. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, how much do you look into that? Like, I, the way I'm thinking about it is, I think you know anybody can win, but I think length is going to be um, not just length because of the elite golfers in the field, and and the, and the majority of them are longer hitters. I expect longer hitters to be on top of the leaderboard just because those are the elite guys in this field. Uh, now, you know, what? one thing I would go with, if, you, if you're going to go with longer golfers off the tee, maybe looking at 125 to 150, like you said, that's going to be a lot of their approaches. And if you go through, uh, if you're looking at average or shorter hitters, look at how well they do from 150 to 175. You're going to have to space things out like that. What do you think about looking at previous years' uh, versions of this event when you have this type of field this year? Yeah, a couple things on it. One I mentioned at the top, like I think they're not even close to the same. Like you said, time of year, factor, strength of field, all that stuff matters way more to me right now than anything else. We saw it even just last week at the RBC Heritage. Yes, you know, the, the Simpsons answers Burger Hatton types, Sergio at the top, but right behind them was Brooks, Bryson, and JT. So yeah, that you're, you're not telling me that couldn't be switched in a heartbeat. That, a few strokes here, a few strokes there, and you got, you know, Br- Rom just behind them. You know, all these guys. Bryson was, just, Bryson was up there again, too, on another 
That's Short what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so you got all those guys up there. So it's really hard to say bombers or this or that. I guess what you like, sure. But at the same time, that's where I'm kind of going with it. I think the ownership game becomes a lot bigger. And, and not just, you know, it's always important in PGA DFS, especially with these individuals and the ability to outwork or, or have a, a pivot option. But I think the other thing is a lot of people wonder like, well, then why are you and Kenny talking about course history so much? It's information. People are listening to this podcast for information. Some people love course history. Some people love recent form. We try and give you as much information as we can be entertaining while we do it and put the stuff out there and, and live or die by it when we put our lineups in play. But I, I'm just saying, you know, if I mentioned someone's course history, like a Bubba, it's not why I'm for or against him. I'm not necessarily, I'm just saying that might be a reason and we'll get to it when I talk about him as, you know, clearly I've mentioned a couple of times, one of my pivot options this week, could he come out and do it again? Yes. Did he have a great Sunday? Absolutely. Is there guys around him in Paul Casey, Patrick Reed, Sungjae answer. That's now 9,000 different guys that I like more. Yeah. And there's gonna, it's going to come down to that when I'm building my lineups and trying to be a little bit different in that sense versus just playing everybody's cover boy of the week, even though Bubba's a good play. I just, I'm not for it with all that chalk. And some people did the same with Webb last week, right? And it, it came out to burn them, but that's fine. I see still the theory behind it and why they did it. It's just, you know, he was really cheap. And the fact that people are getting a little bit smarter or sharper, whatever you want to call it, and the fact that they will double, triple, quadruple down on guys, the more DK wants to drop their price. There's, there's guys like that this week. M, Woodland, we're going to talk about all of it. So for me, not as important. The trends go out the window. The fields are so strong. They're major type fields. It comes down to the pricing, the ownership, and just who you have a belief in when you're building your lineups and who you want to put your money behind because it's your money and you, you got to be behind who you're putting your money on. Yeah, I think either way, if you go with bombers or if you go with the shorter hitters this week, they got to be good with their irons. Their green and regulation percentage has to be high, and they have to be good with their short irons. I, I think that's just what this course comes down to if you go with the bombers or if you go with the short guys. All right, so let's go to these tiers. New hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or rehung. Enjoy a medium, hotter, iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Here's this week. Let's start off with the 10K range. We have Kepka all the way to Rory. Who you got this week, brother? Yeah, I got to stick with my core three, man, that I use and talk about all the time. I think these are the best three in the world right now. I think there's, it's not close. Everyone, you know, certain guys love or hate Rom. They can say whatever they want, but Rom's elite. So Rory... JT and Rom up top. Rom is actually my first pivot option just because right below him is Kepka sticking with this 5K range. It's not that I don't like Kepka. I think he's definitely playable. He's a good play, but I, I like Rom a lot more. And I'm not sure how the ownership's going to shake out yet. We're talking Monday here, but it really doesn't matter to me. I'm still going to play Rom. Guy left a lot out there this week. If you watched, it was disgusting actually on the back nines on Saturday and Sunday, the amount of five foot putts that he missed that he had right there. And they don't want to price him up, and that's fine. But I don't care if it's in the States, if it's PGA events, Euro events, whatever. This is a course that's scorable. It's more than last week for, you know, Rom, they say likes to overpower courses. I don't really disagree, but I, I think not that it's going to be overpowered. I just think when we have this high, let's say it's minus 20 again or minus 21 type of thing, I think that Rom is the guy that fits that. So Rom over Brooks, uh, it'll be a common theme for me this week, you know, with I think what's going to be more congested ownership than we've seen. The last few weeks we've had, you know, your chalk couple guys. And then it's been sort of dispersed, you know, a lot of guys from 18 down to 8%, let's call it, where you can sort of just play whoever you want and, and get some good mixes there and throw a couple low-end flyers in. I think it'll be more congested this week. 
Uh, and the one thing, other thing too, is that uh, while we did see Brooks bounce back on the Sunday, it was, you know, two Eagles, happy Gilmore drive the green, all that stuff that's going to, I think, bring more ownership to him. And Ron really didn't do anything wrong, right? Like I said, it was those couple back nines, all the missed three to five footers. So he would have been right there with Kepka making a run at the whole tournament. Uh, and then again, if you look at the history a little bit here, just so people know, you know, Kepka's got a 15th or sorry, a 57th and a 19th here the last two years. Rom hasn't really seen it for a while. So I think that still brings people to want to go Kepka. I know you're going to talk about them, but JT, Rom, and Rory for me, I just think they've got all the upside. And I think that if more people are going to go to the balanced rosters again this week, I'm still going to stick with the Stars and Scrubs a little bit more. So I'm going to start with my cash game cornerstone first. My first cash game cornerstone is going to be Kepka at 10K. Uh, you know, the thing is, like, the winning potential of him is extremely high. The way he played uh, on the weekend, uh, he looked great. He looked like the, the Kepka of old. He said he's as healthy as he's been, you know, and, and I just believe that, you know, he sort of had that look in his eye where it looked like he was back, like he wants to win. He's fully focused. He's fully committed. Uh, and so, you know, numbers-wise, he's probably the worst out of the bunch. Uh, but I'm throwing those numbers out the window. And I'm just going Kepka this week as my first cash game cornerstone. I think at that price, you could still make a great cash lineup without digging too low uh, in the salary. I mean, my initial build right now, I have nobody under $7,400, uh, you know, with Kepka in the lineup. And I just think he makes a good starting point this week for a guy that I think has as good winning potential as anybody in this field. Uh, you know, going into this event, you know, and, and I, I just, I, I believe in him this week. That's where I'm going. First cash game cornerstone, Brooks Kepka. Other guys are like, I'm going back to Bryson. I, the thing about Bryson that's impressing the hell out of me is, yes, he's driving the ball like 850 million yards off the tee, but he's been one of the best with the irons the last two weeks as well. That And the thing is, his putting has not been that great. And usually he's a better putter than what he's been showing in the last eight rounds since the, the since the, uh, the, since the break. So, I mean, I got to go back to the well with Bryson. He's had some good success here. Uh, so I'm going back with the whale. Bryson, do you, do you, the think, whale, you think Bryson is better than JT? Not for play this week. I'm just talking in general. You asked me earlier a question about Webb being elite, but do you think Bryson's better than G- JT right now? I think he can be uh, here soon. I don't know. I wouldn't say that he is better based on the last year or so. JT has been, you know, unbelievable. There's three or four wins out there, uh, you know, or at least two. I think three. And uh, so I, I wouldn't say that, but I like JT as well this week. Those are, yeah. those are the two guys that I'm playing this week, uh, you know, in GPPs is Justin Thomas and Bryson DeChambeau up top. And you look at JT, one of the best iron games out there, first and birdie or better percentage in the last 50 rounds in this field. He is the best in this field from 125 to 175. There's really no one that's even close to him from that range in the last 50 rounds. So I do like Justin Thomas and Bryson. Those are going to be my two GPP plays that I'm going to be playing, starting a lot of lineups with, and I'm going Kepka uh, as uh, my cash. And I'll drop down to the 9K range and um, my second cash game corner. So I'm going answer. I'm going back to the well with Abe. He's been doing really well for me. He's been hitting a shit ton of greens. I think he went 18 for 18 on Sunday and that is so tilting because you know if you look at like he's been like near the lead or something like that like eight times or something like oh no no, no. there's been uh you know 
you know, near the lead, like first or second or somewhere around there, uh, going into the final round of event, like I think eight times and six times he shot 67 or better. Like there's been 38 golfers since 2003 that have shot 65 or better after holding the lead or co-lead going into the final round of an event. He's the first one to ever lose. Yeah, so crazy. that's how tilting this past week was. But the way is, I mean, and the thing is he looks so composed and it's not like he's going to be down. It's not like he lost it. He just got it taken away from him by Webb. He still has to be extremely confident in his game, you know, and, and the way he's playing and how good his irons have been. You know, he missed so many putts by the edge, you know, on the edge early uh, in the round on Sunday that, you know, he could easily have won this event. And, you know, I, again, another short course, which I've been sort of harping on for answer. Anytime you see a course that is on the shorter end, he is definitely at play. So I'm going Abe. And I do like Justin Rose and GBPs a lot uh, this week. You, you've seen his tee to green game, especially uh, his approach game has been really, really good since he got back from the break and got rid of those Hanma clubs. Uh, I, you know, I like his price point. Uh, I like his win equity at that price. Uh, so I'm a big fan, you know, eighth and birdies a better game in this field in the last 50 rounds. So, you know, you know, he can get hot with that flat stick and make some birdies. And I think I'm going to go Cantley a little bit. Cantley seems like Hatton from last week and Berger from the week before. Uh, Berger and Hatton both came into the event after a long break, just like Cantley on fire prior. And we didn't know if they could hold up and continue what they've been doing, uh, you know, before the break. And they went ahead and did. Uh, Berger, especially in Hatton this past week. And I think Kenley could do the same. His play uh, before uh, before the break, you know, was really, really good. And he's really good on bent as well. But, you know, in, in like two of his last three tournaments, he's had he's gained like 5.5 strokes of approach at the Genesis uh, 6.6 strokes with approach and tournament of champions. Now his break has been a little bit longer due to his surgery, but I still think you can get a little, he had a nasal surgery, I think was what it was. It yeah. wasn't like something big where, you know, it would affect his swing. Um, and so I think, I think people are going to be off of him because he's had an even longer break than everyone else. Uh, but I don't think that means he hasn't been practicing. I don't think it hasn't been, it doesn't mean his game hasn't been sharp. And I think at lower ownership, especially at that price, pretty high price for a guy who hasn't played since, you know, February. Um, you know, you can get him at lower ownership, and I like him as a GPP play. What do you like? Yeah, I like Cantley. I like your take there. I think it's, like I said, it's more just an elite guy. Not, not uh, You know, I'm not calling him elite over Webb. I shouldn't go there with it, but I'm just a guy that we know is, what I talked about earlier, just a great golfer. You, you have a guy that's fantastic, his price up, you know, 9,800. Maybe people are a little bit scared by that. I like him. Uh, I like Xander a little bit more. I like Xander just below him. Uh, most people probably won't go back to Xander after the weekend and what happened, you know, Saturday was really bad, sort of more how he fizzled out on the leaderboard, but on Sunday he had an amazing round. So, uh, you know, everything came back. I, I just think it was a, a rough Saturday for him. He was out on his own in the morning. Maybe that shook him a little bit. He went back out and did the same thing by himself on Sunday morning, you know, DFL basically going into it and just had a, a wonderful round. So I think people won't go back to Xander. I really like him for tournaments at 9,600. A lot of people probably be more apt to go Dustin Johnson below him, but that with that ownership, Brings me back to I'll just you know play Xander who I think has been sharper on the whole recently versus DJ there so I like Xander I like Morikawa a little bit another guy like I say sort of my theme of the week people are going to go to the guys in between the the DJ and Rose and I'll go back to Morikawa had a bit of a scare with the made cut streak but he got through 
didn't have a great weekend, but again, it's just a, another course that I think sets up well. When he gets the putter rolling again, it's going to be just amazing. It's going to be something that we're going to be, uh, you know, a spectacle to see where he's sort of putting down, pouring out birdies, and we're going to have those low scores again that we like to see out of him. So uh, Price is up there a little bit. Him and Answer both there. Answer who you talked about. It reminded me of. I had to look it up after Justin Ray posted that stat. Uh, it was close. It was Gary Woodland. Remember at. Um, where was it? Wyla? It wasn't at Wyla. It might've been at Kapalua. It was somewhere in one of those events, Century Tournament of Champions, where it was when Xander stormed back and got him on Sunday and took it away from him. And it was just, again, like you said, nothing he could do. It wasn't that he lied. Like you, te- you lose on the board, you lose the tournament, but what more do you want out of a guy? He shot like a 68 that week, I think on a par 73 was the difference. But still, I mean, the answer stat was about a guy who shot 65, five strokes better than, the, than par and you get a tournament taken away from you. And what did Woodland bounce back and do? Look at his year that he's had and how good he's been. And we'll get to him in a minute. But still, like, answer. Uh, one worry is that people are going to pay up for him. I, normally, people don't. But nowadays, like we saw with the web situation, feels like people have no problem paying 9K for answer. And if that gets too popular, I could see making some pivots there to, like, Morikawa or my next. And I'll, I'll kick off the 8K range. My second pivot is going to be Casey over Bubba. And, and again, Bubba, like I said, is going to be a cover boy this week. We know he's got the wins here. Uh, Casey's sort of like Hatton and, and Cantley, who you mentioned there, off the layoff, a long layoff. His last time out, I believe, just checking the stats, was WGC Mexico, an 11th place finish. I don't think he's a guy that really loses it. I think his price is fair. I think, uh, you know, you look at that, people will definitely shy away a little um, probably from, from him. But, you know, Bubba coming off the hot Sunday round, the wins that he has here, I think most go that route. And I'm fine with Casey. Casey's still got four top fives here in the last five years with his one bad year, you know, quote-unquote bad year, being a 17th place. Uh, and then just the stats that fit the course, right? He's got all those stats that line up. Uh, as far as what I talked about earlier, he ranks quite highly for all of those. So for me, no problem going to him there over a guy like Bubba. The other guys that I like, I mentioned just earlier, Reed and M. Gonna go back to M. I know he burned me, but we'll see what his ownership's like. I just think he's too strong of a play. I don't know if you saw or not, Kenny, but he was out there. They're, because they're stuck in this bubble that they're in right now, and we didn't even talk about the Watney COVID-19 scare of maybe shutting us down again. We'll get there maybe. But um, M was out there on Saturday with the boys, grinding, playing, practicing, waiting like he had a tea time or something, all dressed up and all. Wasn't even rocking shorts. He had pants on, I believe. <laughs> like He's just ready to play, and he's not even in the tournament anymore. He missed the cut. So... Uh, Got to go back to that. Love to see that. That's, you know, one of the better things of the game that sort of the little intricacies you're seeing right now. He's got to be there anyway. Why not be out there and practicing? Reed, who I mentioned. Uh, and then the bottom of the range gets popular here for me. But, you know, I like Woodland, Finau, Fitzpatrick, Leishman. Going to have to disperse amongst them based on ownership. But they all line up well. Not as high on the Sergio, Spieth, Watson, you know, rows above them plays as some of the stuff you mentioned. Who do you got in this range? I'll go with my third cash game cornerstone. It's going to be Matthew Fitzpatrick, another short course type of guy. Uh, I think he's second most cuts made in a row behind Morikawa. So he's a very consistent guy. He goes about his business pretty well on the course week in, weeks out, always makes the weekend. And if you look, his his, his, his iron play has been pretty damn good. Um, If you look, uh, you know, with – gaining uh, 2.7 strokes with his approaches last week alone. And, you know, a lot of it's been with his putter, but he's normally a pretty good putter. That's normally uh, what he does. He's, he's, he's normally pretty good with the flat stick uh, throughout his career. But his iron game has been strong. Uh, you know, in his last five events, he's been really good, averaging 1.7 strokes uh, gain with his approaches. Um, so I'm a big fan of Fitzpatrick. I think he's a good cut maker at that price. So he'll be my third cast game cornerstone. I'm going back to him. 
uh, this week. It could be last week's web. You know, the guy who misses the cut who comes back. Christopher Woody, always good with his irons, really good with his wedges. He's great from 125 to 150. I think he's top five in this field in the last 50 rounds. So th- those are the guys I'll be uh, focusing in the 8K range in GPPs. And so let's go ahead and move to this 7K range. And my final cash game cornerstone is going to be Victor Hovland, who's sort of been under the radar after the start that he had for his career. You know, he went through a little bit of a, a lull, but it looks like he's coming back. Uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks, if you take a peek, uh, you know, 3.9 strokes game with his approach. He's gained about 12 strokes, tee to green, in his last two events. Uh, the guy, and he hasn't been putting that bad. He lost most of his strokes last week around the green. And, you know, since so many greens are hit here, uh, hopefully that's something that he won't have to worry about uh, too much. But, you know, gaining almost eight strokes with his approaches uh, in the eight rounds that he's had uh, since the break. I really like his play. I think it could be uh, a sneaky bet as well. Uh, I think looking at him, I think he's 66 to one and he's going to be in my betting card uh, as a winner. So my four cash game cornerstones this week are going to be Brooks Kepka at 10,000 Abraham answer at 8,000 Matthew Fitzpatrick at 8,100 and Victor Hovland at 7,800. That's going to leave you exactly, I think, $15,000 left, um, you know, to fill out the rest of your lineup. Uh, Other guys I do like in this top range, Joaquin Neiman. We saw what he did last week. Iron Games always strong. Really good from 125 to 150 and 150 to 175. Uh, So I like Neiman a lot. Uh, And I like Brian Harmon. Uh, The guy's been, you know, T to green are on his approaches. He's been pretty damn good in these eight rounds. I think looking looking back at his stats, I think he's gained something like almost six strokes with his approaches in the last um, in the last uh, eight rounds. And, and and you know his biggest weakness, of course, is off the tee. But this course is so short uh, that you know as long as his iron game continues to be what it is. Uh, and he's been riding a hot putter as well that I think he can do something this week. And he's really good at this course. I, he's made a whole bunch of cuts in a row here. So I like him. I also like him for cash. Um, uh, Corey Connor, 7,500. Of course, everyone knows Tita Green, the guy's a baller. Uh, he's first in greens and regulation game in the last 50 rounds in this field. Really good from 125 to 150. So I like Connors in this upper range. Who do you like in this upper range, Tim? Yeah, Neiman, you mentioned a little bit. Hovland, I think, is just you can play him anywhere. He's a bit of a wrong price at 7,800. It just doesn't seem right. He's, you know, again, like you said, just a great coming off a great event. You know, he's, he hasn't really had it all together, but his approaches and all that stuff have been on fire. Whole T to green game. So uh, I'm okay with that pretty much in any format. I, my third and final is actually going to be going against my boy, who I'm normally on, and Ian Poulter. But I'm going to go back to Domin. Um, seems like everyone soured a little bit on Domin on the weekend, basically on Sunday. You know, he even posted mid round. We missed another good one, by the way. I just got to stop for two seconds. The some of the Brooks narrative, right? Did you see the Faldo, the Nick Faldo, um, fascinating conversation? Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that by Brooks. That, that, that was amazing. Yeah, of that. yeah more of that. that was so good. He said, he said, oh, fascinating stuff there. Like he's got it all covered. And then you know, Brooks, you're taking a shot at a guy that's out on the course playing. And then Brooks retweets the PGA, you know, Happy Gilmore. I call it the Happy Gilmore Eagle. And says fascinating stuff right there. Hey, like <laughs> check that out. He just bodied him. So I love seeing shit like that. I think that was some of the motivation, but I think it keeps Brooks going to your point earlier. Um, but anyway, back to this, I'm going to take Domin over Poulter. 
uh, just for one of the pivots I like. This is the one, again, like last week where you could have had Hatner answer. I think this one's very similar. I don't hate Poulter here. It just feels like people are going to chase and get a little bit more of that ownership. Poulter doesn't really put up the low rounds needed. He'll put up a lot of, you know, 67s, whereas Dominic can put up more 65s. I know it's, you know, nitpicking and it's small and it's not a large sample size, but it's just an example. And I think it's really going to take a lot of low rounds. Dominic has been playing a lot. Dominic has been, you know, even on mini tour events, grinding it out. Uh, you know, he's, he's basically saying, I understand you guys are talking shit, but I get it and I'm going to keep proving you wrong. So I, I love a, a guy with a little bit of motivation behind him. I feel like he's got that now. So Dominic there at 7,700 is a great one. The couple interesting ones, I'll, uh, the glutton for punishment, I'm with you on Corey Connors. The Tita the Green game is just so strong. Got to make the putts, but can he make a cut and get you there at 7,500 for sure? Then has upside going into the weekend if he has one of those weekends. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, though, interesting one at 7,600. I think people will be more than off him. We liked him before. I don't know what would change off of two bad weeks or whatever you want to call it or one bad week, but the price, 7,600. So I'll definitely take that, go down to him. What do you think of Jason Day at 7,500? What are you going to do with him? Yeah, just was about to talk about him and Billy Horschel. Those are two guys that I've got tagged here. Probably going to play them. I mean, it's that back to what I talked about where I just, you know, get myself into trouble by leaving guys like that off because they haven't been playing well or whatever it might be. Or Jason Day wants to go to Disney World now that it's back open, like things like that. Bottom line is, it's Jason Day. He's 7,500. He's not going to be owned. Great golfer long-term. This, you know, as far as long-term goes, he still lines up pretty good, actually, in things like birdies are better, DK scoring, par 4, 450, 400 to 450, par 5 scoring, all those things. And so I'm going to try him. 7,500, I'll get in on the action. Billy Horschel's another one right there at 7,300. And then the last one for me really above this range, well, the last two, one is Jim Furyk. Don't really think he has the huge upside, but again, he did shoot a 58 here before. So you got to think that that could uh, fire him up a little bit to have some low rounds and at least make a cut for you and then see anything could happen when you hit those weekend conditions. But Louis O is the other guy that sort of, again, just too much talent for too little price, still going to go back to him. I think it's, again, you can get a guy this good at 7,200, kind of like Day. It's risky, but I'm going to play these good golfers at these prices. What about you? I mean, some guys in that bottom range. And not a, See, the thing is I'd like to keep my – Cast game above seventy five hundred because uh, uh, seventy four hundred because a lot of these guys I'm not really sure about in the seven k range in the lower seven k range. I think I'm going to go back to Sneds just because this can become a putting contest with so many greens and regulation hit through this. And I know he had that bad round, but that was his first round back. He's an older guy. I'll go back to Snedeker. I like the Usti call with the talent at that range. Uh, so there's a couple of guys I like, and I'll probably throw in a little Fratelli because he showed a lot. Uh, going into that Sunday, I like golfers who come off a you know like a sixty three on Sunday. It's got to get get their 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 juices flowing for the next time out. And I feel like Fratelli is one of those guys you can get there. And I guess if you go a little bit lower, uh, I might throw a little bit of Charlie Hoffman up in that bitch uh, because you know he's decent he course history here, uh, really good throughout his career from one twenty five to one fifty and one fifty to one seventy five, which of course are going to be the two biggest ranges you'll see this week for approaches. Get the tempo. Why don't you take us into the 6K range? Yeah, at the top, I'll go back to Ryan Moore. I, I liked him last week as a value play, and it didn't work out, but 6,900, still right there. I think he's a fine play. Some of the other ones now, this is where I found myself getting into a little bit of trouble, just going, you know, wasting lineups, looking for these gems down here. But some of the guys that popped last week were, you know, Munoz, Vegas, Redmond. I think Redmond will be popular. Interesting to see what happens with him. If he's not, I'm definitely in. I think he's, you know, been amazing with the Irons. Tita Green in general, you know, just the ability to score 
conditions should be good for it. Like I, I want to see some tee times too, but I, I really like him, especially if he comes out early. And then uh, Von Taylor, very fair price at 6,500. Another value talked about a little bit about last week. Um, some GPP plays kicking around, you know, Bryce Garnett last week had the iron game going. Cameron Davis got into the field who we've always liked a little bit. Popping back, uh, Gooch, like playing him. Go back to him. Uh, you can play your Grillo, your Hoagies, those guys down low. And then other than that, man, it really drops off. And that's why I do think people are going to stick with the balanced structure that ended up working with Webb last week. And I really got a feeling one of these winners are going to come, maybe not from the very top, but you know, some of these guys up here like Aram, JT, one of those could pull it off very easily. Yeah, I'm with you on Moore, uh, Vaughn Taylor, and Bryce Garnett. There are all three that I looked at, uh, I checked off before the pod. Uh, Patrick Rogers is another guy who's been playing pretty well, uh, and then he has pretty good course history here. Bramlett, uh, you know, doing pretty well on uh, the other tours. I think he's had a couple of top fives the last few weeks uh, on different tours. I think they might have been Corn Ferry. Uh, I'm not. He just made. Sure. Yeah, he made an. He's going to be. I don't. He won't be popular ever at all. That he. But what happened was he made an all an albatross to end the tournament and finish T2 or whatever on the corn Ferry tour. And it was, it's huge, but I mean, he was funny after because he basically said like pretty much luck, but he's, it is, but who cares? He's still a great shot and good finish for him. And he definitely a good golfer. Uh, It's just a matter of like you say, what you want to do with these guys. And then I think the the biggest thing I want to say from a strategy standpoint, and just what I've been focusing on a little bit more lately is, you know, with not much success, we're only two events back in, but the the main thought around it is like, if you're going to go with a guy like Bramlett, and make your one Bramlett line out of 20, like it's just really kind of pointless because could he get you there? Sure. But do you really get the the Powerball lottery ticket of having all six right in the lineup with them? You know, the five others that go with them, it's a lot tougher. So unless you're going to commit to them, uh, you know, I did a video last week with St. Louis Cardinals, STL cards, 84 on um, DraftKings, and he's on Roto Grinders there, Justin Van Zuden. And, and he was basically saying like, you got to commit to less guys because you want to have them pop off. And I was really starting to see that come true, right? A lot of my good lineups with Fertelli or whoever I used last week that popped off, they just didn't, they had Rory or they had different guys, Rom, who just, could they have got there? Sure. Were they still good builds? Yes. But you just need so much to happen that if you, you need to be able to really space it out with guys at the top, you're going to use guys like that, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, other guys that I would like, Michael Thompson after a great finish, uh, you know, last week, uh, Brian Stewart, another short course guy. Uh, those are the guys that I'll probably be targeting uh, in the lower 6K range. All right, let's go to our bets. Who you got this week there, Tamo? Yeah, back to six here. I'm good with that to go forward. I'm going to stick with some of the guys, a lot of the guys I talked about here. Not a lot of hedge life really in general. Um, Rom, 20 to one. I'll take it. Uh, X, 30 to one. Bounce back. I'm on that. M, another bounce back, 35. And then my, you know, mid-tier guy is going to be Hovland, 60 to one with the each way. And then my two long shots, Redmond, I mentioned 225 with each way. I think some guys got 250. I missed it by a little bit, but I do like that. And again, I don't know how much I'll have them in DFS. So I don't mind that because I think it's a top five or six each way this week. I can't remember. It's at least top five. Uh, and then one guy I didn't mention for DFS, he was at the bottom 7K range. I'm not even sure about him because it seems like it's a bit much. I know he had some good finishes before, but Max Homa, uh, you know, we saw him playing some good golf. Now he's, you know, dropped back to, a, you know, come around a little bit to the norm, but still playing pretty good and had his opportunities over the weekend here. And he, I got him at 150 to one with the each way. So there's my six for the week. What do you got, Kenny? I got Kepka at 20 to one Rose, 28 to one answer. 33 to one Neiman, 50 to one Hovland, 66 to one and Brian Harmon, 80 to one. I'm not going very deep in the uh, long shots this week because I don't believe they have a chance to win. 
Yeah, I like uh, that. This, That's what I said. I, in, I don't know. Field. Like, yeah, these guys aren't all the, the big names. We're not going like Rory, JT, Rom, like the, all the biggest ones, but you're getting some decent guys. Like you mentioned with Rose, Kepka, you know, X, Rom that I've got. You're getting some guys that can definitely take this thing down in a strong field. So I'm, I'm with you there. Yep. And what about one and done? Who you got? I got to see who I have left. I, I honestly apologize. I didn't really uh, prepare beforehand. I think, like I said, I'll do, I'll go back to though what I was saying before the break last week, I pretty much just gave it out, but you know, just some of the options up here. Like I said, I, I think a big dog, if you got him, I'll use them, right? Like a ROM can't lay be interesting. Cause he's off the break X Morikawa answer any of those. I'm going to use a bigger name near the top. And that's the pricing tiers that I'm going off of. It has nothing to do with one and done, but just that's what I'm saying. Those guys, do seem like a good fit for me, and I'll go back to them or, or use them in one and done. They're fine. Tampa, we'll give you a break for forgetting that since your wife is due like any second now. Yeah, Tampa's maybe. doing this pod with his wife basically in labor. So that's how <laughs> that's how devoted Tyler is to the pod right now because she is bursting at the seams. So uh, you know, last week I went answer, which was another reason why I was tilting because that would have really been helpful good. Uh, for me if if he went ahead and. Um, Got that? Got that win? Uh, would have been another what eight hundred thousand, six hundred thousand dollars, something like that. Uh, but you know, I got myself sort of back in and with him, and so I'm going with a big dog this week. I'm going Kepka uh, this week for my one and done. All right, Tamara, tell them where they can find you. Yeah, rotogrinders.com. Talked about it a little bit throughout the show. Did a you know a free preview every Monday where I'm going through recapping the lineups, lineup construction, pools that people are using, some of the guys that are playing full time and whatnot, seeing how they got their lineups in, and then you know, previewing this a little, not to the point of what Kenny and I do, but just sort of see the pricing as it drops. Gives you a little bit of a heads up to get into the podcast here with Kenny Wednesday. I do a show with a different guy each week where I'm going through lineup HQ, how to use the tools, how to build your MME pools. Got like, I mentioned that tidbit from, from cards there that he gave me. And then also uh, Saturdays, I do a round four showdown show, which has been decent. Last week was much better than the first week because, you know, but the chalk keeps getting there. So we'll have a good one soon. This week, I know a lot of guys had some luck using the guys that I mentioned in round four late showdown where they took it down basically with an optimal. And that was nice to see. So, so good for everyone there. And other than that on Twitter at toe and Tambo hit me up. If I am missing some content, this guy's Kenny's not lying. My wife is pretty much ready to go. We're going to see what happens here. But if he doesn't come today, we have our last doctor's appointment tomorrow morning. And they're likely, they said last week, they're just going to induce her on either Wednesday or Thursday. I'm trying to push for Thursday if she can do it. I know she doesn't love it, but I'm trying to get this content out. So you guys like it. You want to follow me, follow me on Twitter at Totag and Tambo and good luck to everyone this week. You can find me at gupscorner.com. Use promo code DGEN20. Get yourself a 20% discount on a subscription, either monthly or yearly. Uh, you know, the Slack chat's amazing. Um, uh, my article is on there. I'll post uh, my course preview uh, you know, strategy and stats to look for are is probably already up on Gup's Corner. And then Wednesday, I edit that by adding my favorite cash game plays that aren't my cash game cornerstones. And I've been starting to put my favorite bets uh, on there as well. And last week, my favorite bet was answer top 20 uh, plus 275. That's the only reason I, I was able to keep my, my winning week going in betting. So go ahead and check that out. Go to gupscorner.com. You can find me on Twitter at KendoVT. All right, we got another stack field, another birdie barrage coming. It's going to be a fun week. Let's win some motherfucking money. DJ Nation. Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as low as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the 
the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. New hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or re-hung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.